how can you not be having a good start to your week? You're, you're amongst the saints, right? In the Lord's house, worshiping God. So what, what better way can there be to start the week? You know, as I think about, uh, well, you know, before I even get into today's lesson, I want to ask a question. Who here has ever climbed a mountain? If you've climbed a mountain, raise your hand. Okay, there's a few hands, right? Out of, out of well over 100 people, there's a few hands. Who here has been parasailing? Okay, there's a few more people that have been parasailing. Parachuting, right? Jumping out of airplanes. Any jumping out of airplanes? Okay, there's one back there jumping out of airplane. Oh, jumped out of airplane? Wow, you're going to have to tell me about that. So, jumping out of airplanes, right? What was the other one? Paragliding, right? Not parasailing, but paragliding. Any paragliders in here? No? Man. You know, I was, you know, the reason I ask these questions is because yesterday the family uh, did a wonderful job of honoring the life of Carol Johnson. Okay, and it was I learned so much about Carol yesterday that I never knew. Carol did all these things. She was paragliding and parasailing, and jumping out of airplanes and climbing mountains and roof and 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 and, and, and uh, putting shingles on roofs by herself. Little Carol, can you imagine little Carol climbing the ladder with sh uh, shingles on her shoulder? And so I just wanted to say it was a it was a wonderful job that that the family and everybody did. Uh, by uh, honoring her life yesterday, and it was just something cool. I was I never I never knew that side of Carol, and I thought that was so interesting. But today, and the reason why I say that is because if you look on the screen behind me, it says being purposeful in supporting one another. And so by the time I get to the end of this lesson, I want us to think about you know do we have each other's spiritual back? Do we have each other's physical back? And I want us to consider uh, how present are we in each other's lives. You know, I know we have the Wednesday and the Sunday, we have the nice greetings, right? And we go through this routine, right? Of, you know, you walk in, we greet each other, we say, how you doing? Hey, did you see the game last night? Man, 26 nothing, good game. And we have this banter, this friendly banter, right? But really, at the end of the day, you know, we do this Wednesday, we do it Sunday, and we continue to do it. But how much do we really know about each other? Right, And so I want to encourage us today, I want us to think about our, our lives, and I know some of us get together often with certain members of the congregation, but how often are you bringing new sheep, so to speak, into the sheepfold, right? How often are you inviting other individuals into the fold in order to have that deeper, closer connection? And that's what we're going to look at today, and I want us to look at some passages of scripture to, to show you that this was God's design for his church, this was God's design for his family, uh, for all those who become disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we must be supporting, uh, being purposeful in supporting one another. We must be purposeful in being present in each other's lives. We must be purposeful in, in being not just present, but helping to encourage and to edify. There's a difference, right? To edify is to instruct, right? It's to teach, to instruct, to uplift. And we encourage along the way, and we build those relationships and that trust and that love, which then all of a sudden is going to have that relationship really blossom. And so I want to look at that today because we have to be purposeful. If you're a member of the body of Christ, uh, then you no longer are supposed to live for self, right? You're no longer supposed to live for self. You're supposed to live for God first. You're supposed to live for others second. And then yourself. Yourself comes last. And so we put our God and our families uh, before ourselves. We put our responsibilities unto the congregation even before ourselves. And when we, when we live like this, we live like God calls us to live. And then we will naturally look to build one another up. 
If we're doing these things, then we naturally look to sacrifice one for another. We, we look for opportunities to edify one another when we live this type of life. You know, I'm going to look at a few passages of Scripture right now. And this first one on the screen behind me is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28. It might look a little weird uh, in, in the sense that what I'm talking about, because if you steal, don't steal anymore, all right? And you think, well, how does that fit with the message? Well, look at the rest of the verse. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. What is the Apostle Paul telling us here? He was saying, listen, if you're a sinner, well, welcome to the club. Most of us are sinners. If, if, if stealing is your thing, you must repent of that. Steal no more, but work and work diligently. Why? Not just so you can have everything your heart desires. What does it say there at the end of that verse? Work hard and, and save up, store up, so what? So you can share with somebody that has need. And well, if you look at the context of the verse, it's talking about our brethren, but we are supposed to do good to all mankind, especially, it says, the household of faith. And so we look at the scriptures here this morning, and we work hard so, the, so we could store up, so we could share, so we could thus fulfill the law of Christ. We are called to work in a way that allows our positivity, our spirituality, to affect the lives of those around us. That is why, that's why the scriptures tell us that if you're going to take time away from the Lord and you have to go to work, do so in such a manner as that you glorify God. Yeah. Now, sometimes that's difficult because we work sometimes with difficult people. And some of, us rub, some of them rub us the wrong way. Let's just be honest, right? And so it's difficult sometimes, but it doesn't make it any less true. And so we have to strive to, uh, to always conduct ourselves in a manner that will uh, bring glory and honor to God. You look at this next passage in Luke, chapter 3 and verse 9, and what does Luke tell us here? Brethren, it tells us that indeed the axe is already laid at the root of the tree, so that every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, what's this passage telling us? Brethren, how you choose your life matters. That's what this verse is telling us in Luke. Now here, in context, Luke is talking to Pharisees. He's talking to the scribes. He's talking to the, the, the Sadducees. Right? He's talking to those religious leaders. right? And it wasn't Luke. It was uh, John the Baptist that's having these conversations. Luke's recording it for us. But we know he's having these conversations. And he tells them that they must bear fruit unto repentance. And as we think about that in our lives, we must bear fruit unto repentance. Well, what does it mean to bear fruit? Well, it means that we are to be uh, in the habit of doing good works. We are, we are to be in the habit of producing good deeds. So look for opportunities to do good. Look for opportunities to do good and to serve others, to edify, to encourage, to love, and to support. You see, brethren, when you think about edifying others... I want you to consider this next passage of scripture because to edify others means that we are to teach and to encourage others. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul, he wrote to the people of Galatia. He told them, let us not lose heart in doing what? In doing good, producing good fruits, having good deeds like we just seen in the last passage. So don't lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. It tells us in verse 10, So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to just those Christians that we really like. You know, if you just do good to those Christians you really like, you'll have some solid relationships. 
Oh, I think I read that wrong. Oh, it says do good to all people. It doesn't say just the people you like. Otherwise, we're no different than the tax collectors. We're no different than the Pharisees. We're no different than anybody else in the world. Everybody helps people they like. But what about the people you don't like? Right? What about those enemies? Love your enemies? You know, there's that conversation that Jesus has, right? And we're going to look at that a little bit more here coming up. But the Apostle Paul, he tells us in Galatia, he tells the people of Galatia and thus us, that we are to do good to all people, especially those of the household of faith. So brothers and sisters, as each of us spend more time in the scriptures, it's very easy to see that doing good works, edifying others, studying to show ourselves approved, uh, being forgiving and compassionate, living obediently, living obediently, these are qualities um, that God commands and not just simply suggestions. I wonder how often many of us look at this list as suggestions. I wonder how often we look at much of the scriptures as if it's a good suggestion for being a good person. Rather than, this is what the Lord requires. That when you stand before him in judgment, which you will, then he's going to judge you based on his word and how you lived according to it. So earlier, a few moments ago, when I said how you live your life matters, it matters. Because God has given us the blueprint. Do you want to be faithful and true? Do you want to be pleasing in his sight? Do you want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Then if you do, we must do the things that we're looking at here this morning. Because do we live in a world that is increasingly hostile to Christianity? Do we, leave, do we live in a world that is increasingly hostile to the church, to our Christian faith, to our beliefs, to our moral principles, to the word of God, to the ways of God? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes. And so, brothers and sisters, those qualities are not suggestions that are on the screen behind me, but requirements for all of God's people who look to make heaven their eternal home. Amen. You see, brothers and sisters, these qualities are a must and they are not an option. Outside of the house of God, the storms of life are raging. Anybody here got some storms going on in their life right now? Anybody got some family members where the storms of life are raging? You know what I mean, right? The problems of life. Maybe a medical diagnosis that, you, that you're not happy with, right, that you weren't expecting. Uh, maybe there's some marital issues. Maybe you're having some problems with uh, obedience with the kids. Maybe you're just uh, dealing with, well, fill in the blank. It could be any number of things. Maybe you got some career issues. Maybe you're having trouble in, in school. You see, brethren, you look at this uh, here this morning. As we think about the storms and the problems that come up in this life, all we hear about in our crazy news cycle right now, right now, what do we hear? Protests. Any protests going on? Oh, there's protests going on around the country, around the world. Protests, various wars, political dysfunction, and on and on and on. The list could go. So we must never forget that we as God's people are a people of peace and hope. And that our peace and hope doesn't reside in the world. It doesn't reside in politicians. It doesn't reside in protesting injustices. Our peace and our hope doesn't reside in government programs. Last time I checked, if you're a faithful disciple of Christ, your hope lies in Jesus Christ. And if your hope resides in Jesus Christ... Well, then you need to put on the blinders, and you need, you need to stay focused. And when I say put on blinders, I'm not, I'm not talking about burying your head in the sand. 
and pretending like everything's just okay around you. What I'm talking about is, is that there's always going to be protests. There's always going to be wars. There's always going to be famines. There, anybody here ever study history? Right? Has there ever, are we the first country to deal with some of these things? Are we the first generation of people who've had to deal with these things? Every generation going back to the garden has had their problems. And every type of problem that you see today has been a problem with humanity since the beginning of time. Why? Because you live in a fallen world. And that we have, uh, our minds have been open to both uh, good and evil. And so brothers and sisters, remember where your hope resides. Your hope resides not in the world, not for what others uh, could give you, not for in politicians or, or protesting injustices. Our hope, our peace, our comfort come from God. Yeah. And so all who are a part of the body of Christ, we must stay focused. We must stay focused on what? On our divinely appointed mission. Well, what does that divinely appointed mission look like? It looks like being peacemakers. And when I say peacemakers, we were talking about this on uh, this past Wednesday morning uh, for uh, Russ and myself and Ron and Carol and Jim. Uh, we, were, we were doing a study on, uh, on Matthew. We were doing a study in Matthew chapter 5. We were looking through the Beatitudes. And we got to that one that says peacemakers, right? Peacemakers isn't talking about, you know, uh, Nick and, and Thomas are having some issues, right? And so Nick and Thomas are having their issues. And, you know, and I like them. You know, they're both pretty decent guys. You know, they're okay. And so, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go be a mediator, right? And I'm going I'm to be a peacemaker. I'm going to bring them back together, right? At least I'm going to try. That's not the peacemaking that God's calling us to do. Now, can I do that? Sure. But that's not the peacemakers that God wants us to be. God wants us to help the world to become at peace with him. Are we not, is there not, uh, uh, are, when we sin against God, doesn't it make us an enemy of God? And so we need to teach the world the truth, the word of God, in order to bring them back into fellowship with God. Thus, we, we establish peace between mankind and God. That's the peacemakers that we're, uh, we're called to be. Now, along the way, can you help uh, a couple friends or maybe a couple family members uh, who, are, who are having a conflict? Sure, but that's not the peacemakers it's talking about in the Beatitudes. And so we need to make sure that we're, we're following our, 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 divinely, our divinely given mission. We are to be peacemakers, and our job is to be the salt and the light of the world and to love the unlovable. We're, brother, we're going to get back to that one in a minute. Loving the unlovable. Being a Christian is no cake. While Christians need to have each other's backs. And we must stop closing ourselves off from the body of Christ. The biggest hindrance to many of our faiths is the fact that we often decide to close ourselves off from the saints. Anybody here think prayer is powerful? But yet, and sometimes we don't call anybody and everybody that we can. I want the whole, I want everybody praying. Why? Because I need help. I need God to hear uh, what's going on in my life. It's not that he doesn't know, but God tells us to continue to go to him in prayer, to lay our petitions before him, because prayer is powerful. And so we need to make sure that we don't close ourselves off from those uh, who are willing and able to pray for us, those who are willing and able to have our spiritual and physical backs. We need to make sure, brethren, that we are allowing the church to be able to encourage us. Because we are to be each other's support group. We're to be each other's spiritual family. And if you really believe that, then you got to let people in. you got to let them in. 
Christians need to be encouraged by one another, to strengthen one another. Isn't that why the Bible says iron sharpens iron, right? And I've seen something that was funny. I can't remember who put it on Facebook, but I've seen something this week. That said, Stop trying to sharpen yourself with people who are butter knives. And I seen that, and I started laughing. And if you know what that passage of Scripture means, it's funny. And so how many times do we have people in our lives that are butter knives? We need this iron supposed to sharpen iron. And so, brothers and sisters, being a Christian is no cakewalk. And I know that as I tell you all these things, I think to the First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, where Paul tells the Thess- Thessalonians, encourage one another, build one another up. And these Christians, they were, they were, he, was, he was praising them for their encouragement of others. And if God came back today, if God was to come back today, would he find you and would he praise you for your encouragement and for your edification of others? Have you guys ever noticed I like to pose questions like that? If God came back, would he find you faithful? If God came back, would he, would he praise you for your willingness to edify and to encourage and to love the brethren and to love others? I pose those types of questions because we need to have a regular introspection of our faith. We need to look in the mirror and be honest with the person that's looking back at ourselves when I ask myself the difficult questions. Am I who God calls me to be? Am I living the, the life that God calls me to be? Do I have my brethren's spiritual back? Am I present in their lives? Am I willing to sacrifice for others? You see, brethren, we could, there's a whole uh, list of questions that we could uh, propose. God's return is coming. And the reason why I ask those questions is because we need to be ready. Doesn't the Bible say that Jesus' return is going to be like a thief in the night? Who here, if, who here, if they knew that Nick was coming to rob your house to, uh, on Wednesday at 630, ain't going to be ready for Nick. Right? No, of course you'd be ready. You ain't going to let your house be broken into. But you're just sitting right there. You know what I mean? It's easy. You and Tom, you know, you used to sit over there, you know. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think about, you know, what the Bible teaches us. God's return is going to be like a thief in the night. And he says that because he expects and he wants his followers to make it their life's mission to live daily. Right. To, to live daily according to his commands. If you knew that God wasn't coming back to July uh, 25th, uh, 2037, how many of us ain't going to wait to July uh, a couple days before and be like, I'm going to get this religious thing right real quick because, you know, the Lord's going to be back any minute now. You know, God's not going to be fooled. He knows uh, if you've been faithful. He knows where your heart is. And so, brethren, we continue to look at the scriptures here this morning. Think about uh, the letter to the, uh, to the people of the Hebrews. What do we notice in Hebrews? Hebrews rebuked the, uh, the Jewish converts to Christianity for their failures and for their, and for their uh, willingness to almost doubt their beliefs. Because they were starting to doubt. They were starting to be discouraged by all the things that were happening. And, so, and, then, and then in chapter 6, he rebukes them. And then in chapter 6, he encourages them and lets them know that he's optimistic. The author of Hebrews is optimistic that they're going to right the ship. And that they're going to remain faithful. They're going to remain true. But he had to write the letter to, or in order to make sure that he allowed them to understand that I see what's going on. I know what's happening in your life. And while I may rebuke you now, I'm optimistic about your future. You see, brethren, God's return is going to come, and Christians need encouragement. 
Christians need encouragement just like they need sound preaching and teaching. And that happen, that's supposed to be happening on a regular basis as we get in each other's homes, as we're present in each other's lives. And so we need to familiarize, familiar, familiarize ourselves with the Bible. Because how can I edify somebody, which is to instruct, to teach, to build up, if I don't even know what the, what the scriptures teach? And so if I do then have to give you some advice, I'm going to give it to you based on life experience because that's all I got to offer. You ever hear that phrase, trust in your heart, trust in your gut? What does your gut tell you? You know the Bible tells you if you trust in your own heart, you're a fool. Right? But the world says, hey, trust in your heart. Well, what's your heart tell you? What's your gut tell you? It's based off life experience. But if you know the truth and you have the truth of God's word, then now all of a sudden somebody's having some problems. I could tell them, thus saith the Lord. I could say, listen, I understand what you're saying. I've been there. I've seen it. I've done it. But this is what I've come to learn. And then you can instruct. You can edify other individuals. And so by teaching others about Jesus and the love that God has for humanity, it's not only going to uplift them and encourage them, it's hopefully going to lead a lost soul to Christ. Or it's hopefully going to lead an errant brother or sister in Christ back unto the Lord. And so, brethren, we need to make sure that we're constantly doing this. Brethren, God the Father believes that you are worth the blood that his son shed on the cross of Calvary. God, along with the members of this congregation, are ready to walk side by side along with anybody who's willing to put on Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm ready to walk uh, side by side with you. I'm ready to have your spiritual back. But you've got to let me know that something is going on in your life. We've got to get in each other's lives. We've got to be more present in each other's lives so that way we can uh, bear each other's burdens, Galatians 6 and 2, thus fulfilling the law of Christ. So you see, brethren, the love that God the Father demonstrates towards his children is agape love. And I'm looking back at the clock right now. What time did I start? It's already 1135. And there's no evening service to finish this. So I'll skip by a little bit of it. But we're going to look at love right now. Because I know some of us know agape love. But I wonder how many of us understand agape love. Agape love is defined as a sacrificial kind of love. And when we look at all the problems of this world, it stems from the fact that I truly believe that many young children and many young adults don't know how to love. That's why you see, the, that's why you see how, how high the numbers are for divorce nowadays. How many first marriages are ending in divorces now? It's now two to one, right? 50% of all marriages are ending in divorce. Why? Because then they haven't learned how to receive and to give agape type of love. You know, when we think about love in America, I say, man, I love my dog like I love that pepperoni pizza that I had last night. And I love my wife like I love that Mexican sandwich, right? Because why? Just because, well, we have one word for love. But brethren, when we think about the love, Jim, my clicker's not working all of a sudden. Hit the next slide for me, please. And so, so when we think about love, I want you to look at the screen behind me. Because when you study out the scriptures and you understand that the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, they had four words for love, not one. So they didn't have to use the same word for their dog and their pizza and their wife. And you look at this slide behind me. Filio, right? It's a love which speaks of an affectionate regard or a friendship. Usually, like if you had a best friend, it's a filio type love, right? According to Koine Greek. Agape, that's that love that keeps on loving even when the people being loved are unresponsive. 
Even if they're unkind or unlovable or even unworthy. It's an unconditional love. Agape is used by Christians to express the unconditional love of God for his creation. No matter what their faults are. That's the type of love that we are to have. Not only for one another, but for the enemies that we'll get to in a minute. And then there's the, I think it's storge. And it's a natural affection. It's a natural obligation. It's that love that like maybe a mother or a father has for their children. And then there's that last one, right? Uh, eros, right? It's an erotic type of love. It's that passionate love. It's based on uh, like a sexual passion. So you can see there's four different words for love. And they're used differently in context in Scripture. So when Jesus, when he was writing, or not writing, when Jesus was giving us commands about loving uh, our neighbors and loving our enemies and understanding what that means, he was talking about that agape type of love. For agape love keeps on loving even when the one being loved is unresponsive, even when they're unkind or unlovable or unworthy. So brethren... How many people do you know today who are just so easily willing to discard relationships? How many people discard relationships and people like they're material objects, right? That's not how God calls the church to love. That's not how God calls us to conduct ourselves. Instead of discarding people, we need to teach them about the agape type of love. That, that love that comes from the cross of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Why did Jesus go to the cross? What gave him the victory? A, because he was obedient unto the Father, but he knew that you were worth it. While we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ went to the cross for us. And so, brethren, we need to teach the world uh, about the agape love that came from the cross of Jesus Christ. We must demonstrate that type of love, not with words, but with actions. Because we understand, brethren, that when we are willing to demonstrate that type of love, it's received very differently than if I just give you a definition. So, brothers and sisters, listen to what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to this to the people of Colossus, the church in Colossus. He's telling them, to, to, uh, uh, you have been chosen of God as holy and beloved, so put on a heart of compassion. Put on a heart of humility and gentleness and patience. He says, bear with one another, forgiving one another, for whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also should you. Why? Beyond all these things, we have to put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Brethren, I'm going to get ready to close this down in a minute, but before I do, to truly become a congregation of the Lord's body that God desires for us to be, we must love one another and show the world what that true agape type of love actually looks like. Because Christ loved us and gave his life so that we may have an opportunity to live. And so there cannot be true unity in the church or the world without that type of love. And that's the agape type. So you see, brethren, what are ways that we can communicate agape type of love towards one another? How about we offer one another praise and encouragement? How about, as I said multiple times already here this morning, that we're actually present in one another's lives and not sharing just some pleasantries that we do every single Wednesday and Sunday? How about we live out Christ's example in all of life's situations? How about we serve others with no expectation of something in return? 
Just do something good because you know you're supposed to sacrifice for one another. And that's how you express love to them without expecting anything in return. Console one another during their times of burdens. Pray for one another. Brethren, these are just a few of the ways. And realize that you have been called by God to love. You have been called by God to have each other's spiritual and physical backs. That's why we learn about in Galatians chapter 5, the, the fruit of the Spirit, right? That's why we learn about the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So brethren, as I close this down, who here wants to truly be a part of a congregation that loves one another unconditionally? I mean, who doesn't want a relationship like that? Right? Where you're willing to help somebody with no strings attached. Right? That's got, that's got to be a horrible thing. Who here wants to be part of a congregation that's willing to sacrifice and serve one another? Who here is willing to have each other's spiritual back? And that's the question I have for you this morning. In order to survive the world and all of its sinful behavior, we must be willing to stand side by side. And if you're willing to stand side by side and let people in, it is going to transform your faith like nothing else ever has. You see, brethren, because we are called to live out our faith and not just have an intellectual understanding of what faith is. And so, brothers and sisters, we must continue to build up the kingdom. We must continue the work of the previous generations that have worked so hard to set the foundation, not just for Lincoln Park, but for the church as a whole here in our Downriver community. And we must make sure that as we're banding together, that we're doing so for the good of our members, for the, further, for the, for the edification of our communities, for the purpose of glorifying God, and for the salvation of our souls. So you see, brothers and sisters, it all stems and it all goes back to making sure that we're careful how we build on the foundation that has Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. And you can learn more about that in the first book of Corinthians. So you see, brothers and sisters, I had to shut it down a little bit earlier. I had, I say a little bit earlier, it's quarter till. But I don't think that's my fault here this morning. But you think about the word. You think about the lesson that's being taught here today. I want you to leave here today. I want you to think about it. What can you do to be more present in the lives of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? When's the last time you've invited somebody into the, into the sheepfold? When's the last time you invited somebody to worship service? When's the last time you invited somebody into your home? When's the last time you said, Can't, don't want to invite them to my home? When's the last time you got together, not with the ones you always get together with, but hey, we're going to be going out for lunch today. You know what? I have, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, you know, we've been together for a couple years now. I really don't know that well. You, you, you want to do some lunch? You want to get together for a cup of coffee? I'd love to be able to get to know you better, right? There's ways that we could do it, but the point is we need to be purposeful in doing it. And if we're purposeful in doing it and building rock-solid relationships, then you're going to do all the rest that God speaks of. You're going to be willing to open up, to trust, and to allow them to help you in your time of need. Brethren, we need to have each other's physical and spiritual backs. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, you have not been baptized for the remission of your sins. You have not publicly uh, 
uh, proclaim Jesus, uh, that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you can do that this morning. You can be baptized right now for the forgiveness of your sins. God's going to add you to the kingdom. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that's going to seal you for the day of redemption. Brethren, if, that is, if you're here today and that is your goal, that is your desire, come forward as Brother Pat sings the songs of invitation.